right, Rob. Oh boy, we just uh, for my fans out there, we probably talked for about an hour. I think uh, Rob and I could have <laughs> filled a few hours. A exactly talking about life in general. But uh, Rob, for the TMI podcast here, I'm going to start off by yeah, you know, just love to hear a little. You have such an interesting background, but um, love to start with just a little background on you, where you go to school, where you live, and I'll just uh, prompt you with a couple other questions. But uh, the floor is yours, my friend. I won't. I won't talk. <laughs> Great. Well, so I uh, yeah, I went to undergrad at MIT. I was a uh, actually a molecular biology and uh, and uh, political science double major. So uh, what I'm doing today, quite frankly, has nothing to do with what I did in college. Uh, fortunately, I went to business school to learn finance, and over the years, I've worked at Ford Motor Company, I worked at Fisher Scientific, and then back in 2004, started a private equity firm called uh, Three Rivers Capital, and our focus was on entrepreneur-owned, family-owned businesses, uh, looking for that transition, right? So back in the early 2000s, we did some analysis and found that 350,000 companies owned by people who are over 55 years of age. And, and a lot of these people didn't have succession plans, didn't have, you know, uh, ideas about what to do. Their kids didn't want to necessarily take over the businesses. The kids wanted to work for the Googles of the world and, and the like. So uh, it was really a, a, a succession planning opportunity uh, in, in this space. And there really wasn't a lot of private equity that was working this space at the time. I think today there's quite a bit, but when we started back in 2005, there was very few professional funds that were actually looking to work this side of the market. So, so we started in 2005 and we're still together today. We still buy companies that are similar. They're a little bit larger. I mean, the, the quote unquote lower middle market as we would define it has grown over the years and as everything else has grown. So, you know, our deals have gotten larger, but the space that we play in is still the same. Um, and so these companies are interesting because they're, you know, they're very well run. They're usually companies that have reached a point of inflection. Um, you know, the owner has been the owner for years, made good money, really has no desire to, you know, invest a lot of money to grow it to the next level. A lot of these companies have a lot of family members that work for it and, and, and the like. And so we're about, you know, people, process, technology. And so we come in and say, how can we deploy those three, those three attributes uh, uh, to really take that company to the next level? So it's kind of like taking something from an adolescence, so to speak, to an adulthood. And adolescence can be described many ways. And it's actually a good thing because, you know, the type of individuals that can get it to that point are really talented. You know, and and so we have a lot of respect for these companies we buy. When we say we want to go and help transform them, it's really an indication that you know they did an excellent job of of building a really good company and getting it to that level. Mm -hmm. But they just need a little bit of help to to take it to the next level. Can you tell us any of the companies, or if not, like industries that you're you're uh, or, or you're seeing opportunities in these days? Well, today, uh, you know, we've. Over the years, you know, when we started, we were a little bit more on the manufacturing side. I think recently, much more on the services side. Um, healthcare services were, was, is a big area that we've been focusing on. I mean, I had a thought process about five, six years ago that we were kind of long in the, in the economic cycle. So, you know, we were kind of getting more defensive. So we were looking for counter-cyclical type companies uh, to invest in. Healthcare services was one. Um, 
But really and truly, if you look at kind of the overall trends, we know demographics. I'm not saying anything that anyone isn't well aware of. But as you look at the demographics of the U.S. and what was going on, um, the consumption in healthcare services was really uh, you knew was going to going to increase. The issue that we really focused on, though, was how to you know how do we bend the cost curve down? So we're investing in companies that we feel like are better alternatives to the higher cost um, services. So, for instance, our one of our first investments was physical therapy, right? We felt like physical therapy was a much more um, cost-effective way versus surgery. We figured money was going into it. Uh, doctors were pushing people more into trying to fix their problems before they, and so there, therefore that was going to be something that was going to hopefully bend the cost curve down. We had another one called, um, it was called Amazing Care. We just sold it last year. It's in pediatric home health care. That was another yeah, these are catastrophic um, cases for kids who need 365 day care. So they're in the, they're in children's hospital where it could be $3,000 a day. So our services were to bring those children out of the hospital into the home with private duty nursing, which was a lot cheaper option and also better for the family so their, their child could be at home. So those are examples of companies in, in that area and, and why we were focusing in on that. That's great. And I, it sounds like you're, you're not local, you're national. How big of a footprint do you have? Uh, we're national. We, uh, one, of the, one of the areas we're honing in on right now is, uh, you know, co food co-manufacturing and co-packing, right? Um, so we just bought a company in Salt Lake City last year around Thanksgiving. Um, it's probably going to, you know, it's, 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 it's a larger company we normally buy, but um, it's beverage manufacturing as well as uh, stable food dry goods. So, um, so that company's there. There's a huge trend that we've been seeing over the years where, you know, some of the bigger companies out there, the CPGs, we call them the consumer product goods companies are outsourcing the manufacturing. And then you're also seeing a proliferation of brands, right? You have all your energy drinks, think kind bars, think of all the different things that are being made. These companies aren't manufacturing them. They're developing the recipes, they're developing the branding and all that, and they're outsourcing the manufacturing for it. So there's there's a huge tailwinds. If you walk down Whole Foods and you look around at all the brands in the aisles, most of those are being co-manufactured. So you have the proliferation of brands that are going on and uh, and therefore you're seeing a lot more need for, for that kind of manufacturing. That's great. So I prompted you a little bit, but maybe you can talk a little bit about of how do you see the current market in the, the VC world, maybe in the next five years. Any So venture capital is a little bit different than private equity, say, right? So in the, in the venture side, that has a lot more of these ups and downs. And the private equity side, we've had this period of, again, easy money, very low interest rates. Most of private equity is, a, you know, we we do leverage buyouts. We buy companies just like you buy a home. You know, you put some equity in and you get a loan out and you're able to buy a home. And so the lower the interest rates, you know, obviously the higher the valuation you're able to pay for these companies. And so we've been in a very long cycle of low interest rates. So you've seen valuations and companies being very, very high. Um, and the other thing is, you, you know, not only with the lower interest rates, but there's been a ton and ton of money that has been flowing through this economy, I call it easy money. And so, you know, what we see in inflation today, we've been seeing in businesses as well because of all the money that's been available. And, and a lot of the private equity firms have a mandate to put their money to work. So, so it, in the last few years, you've seen 
a heavy, heavy M&A market. You've seen very high valuations. Now, given what I just said, now we see interest rates rising. We see some of that easy money getting pulled back. The Fed's starting to pull in their balance sheet. So I, I think, and I haven't seen it quite yet, but I think on the horizon, you're going to see valuations drop just by definition. I mean, the higher the interest rates, the, the less you can pay for a company, the lower your returns are going to be. And then the same, by the same token, you could see the banks pull back a little bit if the economy starts to turn. So banks will say, look, I'll, I'll loan you four times your EBITDA. That's kind of basically our, our term for cash flow, you know, to buy this company. They may, if they pull back and say the economy is, is kind of turning and their, their risk appetite goes down, then all of a sudden they're only going to loan you three times, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you pay for the company? You either have to make it up with equity or you have to pay less. And if you make up with equity, then, you know, your returns potentially are going to go down. And so therefore your valuation goes down. So I think that's coming. And I think we're probably seeing a little bit of that already. So any other uh, factors in the next five years? I know we talked a little bit about, you know, workforce issues and, you know, a lot of companies obviously are having the you know, work from home, work in the office, Technology is obviously a disruptor uh, in terms of how things are going to change. Any other areas that you see that could either be a pro or a con in the next five years in terms of uh, opportunities or, or challenges? I would say the challenges are fairly significant. And again, the biggest factor in anything is uncertainty, right? Mm -hmm. So the more there's uncertainty, then the more difficult it is to evaluate a company, evaluate a business model, figure out, you know, again, we're buying, buying to grow the businesses, buying it for a period of time, say three to five years, right? So, yeah, I mean, I don't see, you know, I think everyone's aware of the human resource issue and, 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 and the like. I don't see that changing anytime soon. I, I don't, I think the dynamics are there and we have an aging population, um, we have a new group of individuals coming into the, into the workforce. Uh, so there's a lot of different challenges that we have. I don't think low unemployment is going to last forever, but I still think it's going to be hard to find, you know, skilled labor. And, uh, and I think what we're seeing is industrial automation taking a big upswing because it used to be that that owner had, you know, you, you think about automating a process in that owner's company and then owner's thinking to himself, well, do I want to spend a million dollars to automate this? And then, you know, how do I get my return on automating it? I have to lay people off. And oh, by the way, those people are my neighbors. Those people, if you're a family owned business, right? Those people may be my neighbors. I may see them at the club or I may, you know, they go to school with my kids. So you didn't see a lot of the industrial automation happening in the lower end of the market all these years. That is now flipped, right? Now that owner is saying, I can't get the people to do the processes I need to do now to keep up with demand. I have to automate because now it's I'm I'm 20 people down. It's almost impossible to fill that gap. So I think this next 10 years, I see a lot more investment in automation in the industrial side. You're seeing it obviously at McDonald's and you know some of the retail has, has gone that path, but I also see it happening in our industrial base. So that's going to continue. I would also say probably another big issue is going to be. We don't really understand regulation right now. There's been a lot of changes with respect to, you know, we saw the whipsaw in oil and gas. I mean, you had Keystone Pipeline one day and then the next day you don't, right? So there's certain segments it's very hard to say I want to invest in because if it has any, any high visibility or high exposure to government, 
then you have too much uncertainty in terms of the way things are. And I don't, I don't see that changing either. So tend to steer clear of things that are highly exposed to, to the government. Sounds interesting. And maybe we'll close out here, Rob. What's something that we might not know about you? So you're obviously a, a serial entrepreneur here for many, many years. What do you do in your free time? My favorite thing to do is scuba diving. Nice. The COVID put the kibosh on that for a couple of years, but I'm looking forward to getting back into it. I absolutely love. There's nothing more zen than being underwater, weightless, listening to the bubbles coming out of your mouth as you're swimming. I mean, that to me is meditation and whatever you think of meditative activity, whether you walk or whatever, scuba diving is a really good thing to be in a beautiful uh, environment. You're weightless and you just listen to, to your breathing. What's your favorite place to scuba dive? I would say to date, my favorite place was probably either St. John and they have some really, really great spots off of there. And I would also say my favorite dive is they called it the Superman dive and it was in St. Lucia. And I don't know if people know about the pitons, right? They're these really tall, skinny cone mountains that I think they're on the World Heritage, whatever. They're kind of famous, but they're so steep. And I, I was probably, it looked like I was probably 10 feet away from where the coast was. And I was 65 foot deep and it was a drift dive. And I just sat on my back, didn't have to swim, just let the current take me for 45 minutes. And uh, that was actually really fun and uh, saw some really cool stuff. That's great. That yes. is great. Things we don't know. Yeah. Well, Rob, thanks a lot for your time. That was a great insights into what's going on. Very fascinating. So thank you. Appreciate you having me.